0: Looking for a job isn't easy. It used to be that you could apply at a big-name tech company and build a great career for yourself. But times have changed. Many of these companies have gone full-woke. And if you aren't the right gender, ethnicity, you don't use pronouns, or if you're not an activist for the preferred cause, then good luck. Why would you risk your career on that? At Red Balloon, we're connecting good employees with top-quality companies that value you for your skills and your work ethic, not your social activism score. Employers who post jobs on Red Balloon are focused on creating an enjoyable and productive work culture, free from divisive woke mandates. So if you want to find a serious career path without the nonsense, come to Red Balloon and post your resume today. Because you shouldn't have to choose between your job and your values. That's redballoon.work where you can find your future.
1: We saw it clearer because we analyzed things on the ground. We analyzed the data. You and I saw it clearer, but, but the courts don't care because as it says in the court ruling, the lower court ruling, the Ontario Court of Appeals ruling and the, um, the Superior Court of Ontario ruling... As it says right in there, deference must be given to the government. This is not an equal playing field on, on these matters. Deference must be given to the government when the people are scared.
2: Hey everybody, Michael Tyson here and you are listening to Open Mic with Michael Tyson. This show is produced by Liberty Coalition Canada in partnership with ChristianWeek.org. Liberty Coalition Canada exists to establish Christ's justice and righteousness and to defend those who stand. I'm really excited how we've articulated our mission statement uh, clearer as of late. And then we are partnered with Christian Week, which exists to provide a practical, balanced, hope-filled perspective on national and global issues. So head over to ChristianWeek.org to look at uh, news curated from all around the world. Uh, if you want to help support our podcasting work, head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com backslash donate and click the analysis box. Donations there are submitted directly to Christian Week for their help in production. And if you want to help our legal cases and our advocacy work, and we're going to be talking a little bit with Pastor Jacob Rayom today about such work. Uh, head over to com backslash donate and click other designations. You will find your opportunities there. Jacob, friend, brother, it is good to be talking to you again. Uh, it is not fantastic that we are talking uh, in the wake of the news that the Justice Center just announced. Uh, I'm going to give you a word here in a second, but let me just read for everybody what we're going to be talking about today. The Supreme Court will not hear Ontario Church's constitutional challenge to COVID restrictions. This was posted August 10th, uh, yesterday, and um, the Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedom goes on to say this, that they're disappointed that the Supreme Court of Canada will not hear a further appeal of two Ontario churches who challenged the Ontario government's violation of Charter-Protected Religious Freedom through the lockdown. So Jacob, for our listeners, can you bring them up to speed about Trinity's involvement and and, and, and Trinity's appeal and what this decision
1: actually means? We have a number of legal issues going on pertaining to and stemming from the lockdowns. And One of the issues, so there's all the fines that we have, and they're kind of playing in the background when we talk about this, but that's not the issue we're dealing with primarily. The issue we're dealing with primarily is us suing the government, not the government charging us. And so we were given a couple of court orders, and we took the government to court over those court orders, um, alleging that uh, we, we were alleging that those court orders were unconstitutional, and we lost... Uh, in the Ontario Superior Court, and then we lost in the Ontario Court of Appeals, and then now the Supreme Court of Canada has refused to uh, hear us. It's interesting to note, though, that in the the, the uh, Ontario Superior Court, the Superior Court of Ontario, and in the Ontario Court of Appeals, that all the judges, so the the panel in the, the Court of Appeals, and then the judge who heard our um, concerns uh, originally, all agreed that our constitutional rights were violated. Um, however, they have indicated as per our uh, Charter of Rights and Freedoms that those, those constitutional rights were violated in a way that is justified in a free and democratic society, uh, as our charter says. So, we have no, we, we the Supreme Court will not hear this case.
2: And so, Jacob, I know that a lot of people are following this, and I think I think a lot of people are wondering about whether or not this is um, a precedent, where you know other people, you know, I know even including my case, I know that in talking and discussion with 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 lawyers about my case, there are people saying, "Hey, well, look, like." Let's see how Trinity does uh, at the Supreme Court. And so this refusal to um, hear your case, it would seem to me just quite quickly that this means that there's no constitutional challenge any further to the government's behavior during the COVID lockdowns. Whereas you just said, the, uh, the, the judges and the courts may uh, acknowledge that there was a violation of rights, but they're willing to defer to the government. And that I would assume would then be affecting many other of the many other fines and, and charges that that we still face. Uh, is that your understanding as well?
1: Well, there, our lawyers are talking about this this afternoon. And so I don't know what the future holds. I do know that there, there might have been a chance that we can appeal the Supreme Court's refusal to uh, hear us. So whether or not that's a possibility, um, I should find out in the next few hours. And our, our lawyers can, can figure that out and advise us on that matter. It's, it's really interesting as, as we think about this, though. And it, this, is a, this is showing, and it really it's showing, as you said, it, the, 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 the courts are rubber stamping the government or at least the state, the legislature, they're rubber stamping the legislature. And so you have a country where the legislature, the courts, uh, the media, and, and largely even the police services, there, there doesn't seem to be any dissent from this COVID, uh, the, the COVID narrative that we were fed a few years ago, which is just, it's so strange considering everything that we know right now Uh, about, about this. And of course the allegation against us is that we're going to kill people. People are going to die. And I, you know, I've, I've got a church of 1200 people and never done a COVID funeral. None of our pastors have done a COVID funeral. And so, uh, but this is where we are today. And it it makes absolutely no sense. One of the things that I've, I've contemplated as I've reflected on this uh, particular issue is the, the charter of the Canadian charter of, of rights and freedoms was brought in in 1982 Under Pierre Trudeau and his leadership. And one of the first charter cases that the Supreme Court heard in the 80s was a drugstore that I think was from Alberta. And the drugstore owner wanted to be open on Sundays. And at that point in time, they had Lord's Day laws. And he took it all the way to the Supreme Court and he challenged the Lord's Day laws. And the Lord's Day laws were declared to be unconstitutional. And so you now could shop on Sunday in Canada because the Lord's Day laws were struck down. You you could shop on the Sabbath. And now we're being told by our Supreme Court that, well, in, in 1986, the court said you can shop on the Sabbath. In 2023, the court says, unless the government gives you permission, you can't go to church on the Sabbath.
2: Yeah, that is you know Jacob one of the things i've appreciated about your pastoral insights and your counsel as a friend throughout this whole thing is how you see things uh, very clearly and and that that's a wow moment in in what you just described like this is on one hand you have a you have a, a law struck down because it is interpreted as unconstitutional and now you have all unconstitutional laws upheld despite their constitutionality with this little back door of demonstrable evidence, which nobody provided. And the courts just deferred up to the government. So in essence, we're seeing a major problem for people to be able to take constitutional challenges to the government. We're seeing the courts Really change their behaviors here, and as you said, that has that is that is extreme framework uh, consequences. Like you just said, it's 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 not just so much that your const- that your constitutional freedoms are protected to do something on the Sabbath. It is now no, you can't even go without us giving you permission. And I think so most 19- people are going to roll.
1: In nineteen eighty six, the government said the people are free to violate the Sabbath because if they want to go shopping on the Sabbath, in two thousand twenty three the courts have or sorry, in, in nineteen eighty six the courts said the people are free to violate the Sabbath by shopping. In two thousand twenty three, the courts have said the people cannot even honor the Sabbath by going to church.
2: Yeah. Now, I think a lot of people are going to listen to, not, not a lot of the people who listen to the podcast are going to roll their eyes, but I think a lot of outsiders might roll their eyes and, and they'll just say, hey, but this is temporary and, and hey, this, this, this was immediate. But that's what the courts are supposed to, that's what the courts, the courts, the courts are supposed to correct. They're supposed to look back and they're saying, no, no, this was unjust, not just rubber stamp. And uh,
1: if you look at the the ruling from the Ontario Court of Appeals, which I've read through and I've commented on uh, on my blog, and I I read it through, I made notes on it. Essentially, if you really want to get down to the bare bones of, of the ruling, it's the people were scared. So at least the government did something. There's no need for the government to justify their decisions on the basis of what we know now.
2: Which of course if you ta- if you look at the accusations that were being made, if you look at the uh the fear mongering that was that was um being put out over all over media, you know, it's not even what we look at now, Jacob. It's the stuff that you and I saw right on the ground the whole way through. There was no evidence um of any type of uh, real viral problem we were seeing our communities normally well, you, healthy you and
1: I saw and- you and I saw the situation clearer than public health saw the situation we saw the situation clearer than the media did you and I saw the situation clearer than the, the legislature did the premier did the prime minister did we saw it clearer because we analyzed things on the ground we analyzed the data you and I saw it clearer. But, but the courts don't care because, as it says in the court ruling, the lower court ruling, the Ontario Court of Appeals ruling and the, um, the Superior Court of Ontario ruling, as it says right in there, deference must be given to the government. This is not an equal playing field on, on these matters. Deference must be given to the government. So how far can you take that? Can deference be given to the govern- government on issues of global warming? What if we have a so-called alien invasion? Will deference be given to the government on those matters? Deference must be given to the government when the people are scared.
2: Yeah, that's that's really that's as dangerous as all of the stuff that we've been concerned about from day one. So, Jacob, obviously this is concerning for everyone. Obviously, you know, you're you're going to have people reach out to you and express that they're disheartened. Um, how are you doing? Uh, how is your resolve? Um, how, you know, where are you leading Trinity in in this moment?
1: Yeah, I'm doing fine. I slept good last night and I actually got together with our elder chairman at a campfire, uh, with our wives. And we talked about this probably for about 45 seconds and moved on. So, I mean, that's basically where I'm at. This is the longest conversation. The one I'm having with you right now is the longest conversation I've had on the matter. And it might even be the most I've thought about the matter since, it was given to us or since we heard the news yesterday. But uh, at, at the end of the day, uh, our hope is not... I No, I, I will say this. Early on in this crisis, crisis, early on, I thought we would be vindicated in the courts. I did have more confidence uh, in our courts. But as things progressed and I started to see how the courts operated, it didn't take me long to realize that we might not and then quickly realize that, no, I don't think we're going to have any type of victory in the courts. But uh, this is something that I think shocks, a lot of people in our country that are a part of the, I guess, the freedom fighter movement is that I, I'm not, I'm not deterred. I'm not gutted. I'm, I'm not a puddle on the ground. And that's because my highest court of appeal is God and, and Christ almighty. And one of the stories that I keep going back to in my mind as I, as I reflect on our situation is you you look at the story of Joseph in the Bible. And of course he was thrown unjustly in a, an Egyptian prison. He was, he's, he was treated much worse than I'm being treated right now. And he's treated much worse than our church is being treated. He was thrown in a, in an Egyptian prison. His family had uh, forgotten about him. He thought he had friends in prison. They forgot about him. And then there's this little wee verse, but God remembered Joseph. And, and God's hand was on that whole situation. And one of the things that uh, we see in scripture over and over again is that, the people that God is, chooses to exalt are the people that God calls to suffer. And the ones who God calls to suffer are the ones that God chooses to, to exalt. And so it just makes the story that much more exciting because somehow we're going to see God vindicate us. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know who he's going to use to vindicate us. But I, I do know he's going to vindicate us because there's nothing sinful about going to church on the lord's day and in fact every, there's everything good about going to the church to going to church to worship jesus christ on the lord's day and we have been punished by the media we've been scoffed at by other so-called christians and pastors we've been scoffed at by our community and we've been punished by the government and the courts have not heard our case um but the lord will honor that and because uh, the lord values his worship and the lord loves his people. And the Lord sees all of this. What interesting twist of history awaits us? I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, but it's likely very ironic.
2: Hey, friends, I'm happy to talk to you again about Rocklink Investment Partners. With inflation at 40-year highs and economic stagflation on the horizon, growing and preserving your hard-earned capital is of utmost importance. I know it's on my mind. And that's why Rocklink investment partners are so essential, because they understand the investment challenges of today. Rocklink is an independent investment management firm focused solely on creating portfolios of high-quality businesses anchored to the time-tested principles of value investing, and they do not shy away from essential businesses that do not Meet the World Economics Forum's definition of ESG. So email rocklink at info at rocklink.com. That's rocklink with a C. Or visit them at www.rocklink.com. And again, that's link with a C. I I love that optimism, Jacob, because I, I... I think of story after story, you know, of course, I'm thinking of Daniel of how, how things seem so, um, overwhelmingly oppressive. And then the Lord takes a trustworthy servant and, uh, elevates him to a a position of great influence. And, and really, if you think about this, just even pastorally, how many times would we say to young men or how many times would we say to older business guys, Hey, do the right thing. Um. Tell the truth. Uh, build build something that's credible. Uh, obey the Lord. Don't steal. Don't you know all of these all of these commands that we have, and uh, the Lord will provide. And how often we see within uh, these real life situations, marriages that you know where where you. Command forgiveness, and and the couple goes out and forgives one another. They 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 work on things, and the Lord's blessing is upon that home. And so I, I agree with you, and I'm I'm thankful for you, uh, being so optimistic in the moment. And when I say that, I just mean I know that you've had your ups and your downs and whatnot. But just that is what walking by faith looks like, everybody. When when Jacob says, "Look, this is the Lord's going to vindicate us," and I'm I'm walking by faith that He will. Um, that is what it looks like on the ground. And and Jacob, we're thankful for the way that, that you do walk by faith. Um, what's next then for Trinity as far as fines and whatnot? I know that, um, I know that there might be some court dates coming up. Obviously you can't answer whether you're going to appeal this decision right now because the lawyers are talking about this, but what, You know, how many things have been dropped and then what is still standing before you guys?
1: I personally have 11 uh, COVID-related charges against me. I think the church has six COVID-related charges against um, it as an entity, as a corporation. And then I think um, there's several of the the elders who were on the board during this time, each has several COVID charges against him, maybe five or six or seven each, depending on the elder. And so we, I do know that our our lawyer, who's representing us on those charges, has been in talk with the prosecution um, uh, over the last several months. And uh, I don't know uh, when those matters will be resolved, but uh, we'll see. It would be nice to put that this chapter behind us, though.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, brother, I just want to say, thank you very much for all of the things that you guys are doing. Uh, we, uh, we, we cherish you as a, as a local church, Trinity Bible chapel has already been a beacon of hope to so many, uh, people throughout the last number of years. And I know that, uh, your service to the Lord and the, the, his work in your midst is, is doing great things and i just wanted to make sure that you and i got to talk while this was you know hot off the presses because this is such an important story across canada before i before i sign you off i do want to read from the announcement so that people kind of exactly know what you were asking for of the government so at the court of appeal hearing in december 2022 the churches argued that the that justice Pomerantz aired by and there's three things that you were questioning the justice on improperly assessing and weighing the expert evidence and that's where you and I just talked about that with uh, instead of assessing and weighing the expert uh, evidence they they deferred uh, to the government number two disregarding consideration of the freedoms of expression peaceful assembly and association so so disregarding fundamental freedoms. Uh, in in the country, that the charter is supposed to protect us from the government uh, with regards to those things. And then number three, misapplying the legal test under section one of the charter to find the gathering restrictions as justified. And so I'm assuming based upon this report from the Justice Center that um, the Supreme Court isn't at this point willing to hear any of those disagreements.
1: I guess not. And it's not just us. There's three churches in British Columbia that um, had their uh, opportunity to stand or their request to stand before the Supreme court on the same, same thing, similar things, uh, COVID related charges, and they were denied on the same day. So the court will not hear any of the church from any of the churches that have been unjustly uh, charged on this matter. So this is not something the Supreme court of Canada never in our history Has the government forced churches to shut down? And religious freedoms are enshrined, even within the Charter, as lousy of a document as it is. But uh, certainly religious freedoms have been ours since time immemorial. And never in our history has this happened. And yet the Supreme Court of Canada does not want to touch it. What on earth is going on with these people?
2: Well, and Jacob, you just broke news, whether you know it or not. I had no idea about it. In fact, I, I was just talking to somebody uh, before we got on this call, and and the individual from out, out west said, well, let's hope that they'll hear the British Columbia Church's challenge as well. And no, right here, same thing, right from the Justice Center, a press release that, um the Supreme Court of Canada has decided not to hear the case of three British Columbia churches who have challenged the total prohibition of in-person, worships, uh, in-person worship services that was imposed by the British Columbian government on no, from November 2020 through to May 2021. So in British Columbia, they were restricted from meeting at all. And the government is not even hearing those cases. The article goes on to say the government closed all houses of worship while allowing restaurants and gyms to remain open. This is, that's really troubling. I'm I'm so glad that you mentioned that uh, so that we're aware of that immediately. We're going to need to reach out to those churches as well. Wow. Wow. Uh, this is a sad day in Canadian history if the Supreme Court will not hear unprecedented cases against churches while while we 're talking about restaurants and gyms being opened this is This is a really bad day for the Church in Canada in the sense that uh, it has shown and and actually Jacob you and I can touch on this a little bit. This shows the change of the religious viewpoints in Canada. This shows. Not only just a change in law, but a change in religion, which is what we're both really actually concerned about. Touch on that it, matter it shows, for everybody.
1: Well, I think it, it shows a, a, a change in religious views of the general Canadian population. Because all of a sudden, the general Canadian population seems to think that it's not a big deal for the government that tells you you can't worship Christ. But I think most importantly to us, and this this should really be the most concerning thing, is that this shows a change in in the views, the religious views of professing Christians in Canada. Because this is amongst amongst most churches and with most pastors, uh, this is not an outrage. In fact, it's kind of, I bet you what's going through the minds of a lot of people is good. I hope we can put this away and not hear about that anymore um, and just move on and sweep it under the rug. And so, But there has been a definite change even in the last four years. If you had told people four years ago, uh, Hebrews 10.25 doesn't mean the church should gather and the government should be able to regulate worship services and control what you wear at church, control whether you can sing at church, control who you can go to church with and whether or not you can go to church Christians would have been like, no, never, 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 never. Um, but um, we have received uh, a great deal of scorn from people that we had uh, thought, hoped more, hoped to, um, uh, hoped better of, I guess you could say, Mike. And and so, yes, a, a change in the religious views of Canadians and a change in the religious views of professing Christians.
2: Well, Jacob, I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but you... you um... You alluded to this and I think it's a worthwhile quote um, uh, congratulations you were just uh, probably a number of times quoted uh, by the CBC but in that article uh, on Trinity Bible uh, Chapel and Liberty Coalition Canada that we both shared um, there there was this discussion and I found it very interesting that a that as far as I can tell from from our research, that a relative non-religious or or at least an atheist within that religion or um, certainly not someone from an evangelical upbringing understanding our jargon and our and our inside track there's an entire section in the in the cbc article the article um is uh uh, titled um just everybody inside the fundamentalist christian movement that wants to remake canadian politics there's a whole subheading underneath here. And I actually, this is the first time I've, I've noticed that it got its own section. But as far as just, you know, using subtitles to progress the thought and, and, change, um, and, and change from one thought to another, there is a section that basically goes on to say different, separate, sorry, separate the word, separate from mainstream evangelicals. So, uh, you and I were, of course, uh, um, held up under a label of Reconstructionists. Uh, reconstruction, for our listeners, just simply means that we don't want to deconstruct stuff; we want to reconstruct stuff. Uh, it's a it's a very benign label that I don't mind owning at all. Uh, maybe maybe people are have have greater intentions with that word than I would, but just we want to reconstruct Canada according to biblical uh, principles and biblical ethics uh, rather than deconstruct them from from uh, uh, from a secular point of view. But it's interesting that the CBC goes out of its way to say that we are separate from mainstream evangelicals. I'll just read the quote and let you respond. Reconstructionists stand apart from mainstream evangelicals in Canada who have largely accepted the religious pluralism and are less interested in pushing biblical values in every corner of society. Now, they go on to quote somebody in that, and I know that they've misquoted him, uh, and I know that they, they've taken his quote out of context. But were you aware that mainstream evangelicals existed, Jacob? Like in, in this sense of, like we would use the word mainline when we would talk about liberal churches who have you know given up Christian doctrine. But I don't think I've ever used the phrase mainstream evangelical, but here it is. We're told that we're actually separate from the other evangelicals.
1: Yeah, with regards to the Reconstructionist uh, label, I think one of the things that they, he might be trying to refer to is that is to say that we want to reconstruct like an Old Testament Israel or something like that, which is just a scare tactic because neither one of you, neither of us want to do that. But we do want to see God's law. Is moral law bear on all of life and uh, certainly in public policy and any christian worth his salt should want to see that um but uh, as far as mainstream evangelicals no i didn't know that there was a mainstream uh evangelical um group of people in canada and uh but uh, maybe there are (laughs) well you know what i I I don't know what they believe Well, I think the
2: thing that I want to warn people about is I think the CBC has gone out of their way to say this is your out. Just just start accepting these types of labels. Just be different from these guys and we'll leave you alone. That's your out. We know you're fine with religious pluralism. We get it. You want to go to church once in a while when the government tells you it's okay and or, you know or you're you know you're not up at the cottage. You know, we get it. Everybody, everybody has a little bit of you know religious spice. We get that, but just sign off with this label and and don't be like these guys. And that's your way out. I think it's the bait on the hook, and I really hope that nobody takes it. I hope that many, many men, uh, pastors in particular, read that and go. Damn, I'd rather be labeled a Reconstructionist than be labeled a mainstream evangelical. That hurts.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so, but I think they're just glad they're not in the spotlight. A lot of them.
2: <laughs> like, yeah, like I
1: just don't. I think a good mon- a good many of them. I mean, maybe 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 they'll all prove me wrong, and I hope they do. But I think a good many of them just don't want to be under the microscope um, for this it, because it you know it makes them sweat a little bit under the collar, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. They well, don't, you know what? To all of those guys,
2: to all of those guys, I would just say this. Look, Jacob and I can go on podcasts. We can do it with bad hair. Jacob needs a haircut. I can tell. I definitely need a haircut. I look like a chia pet. Uh they can people can listen to us bumble along and sometimes have really crisp thoughts and sometimes uh have to have to struggle to formulate thought on the spot. This is our calling and everybody can do it. Don't be a mainstream evangelical. Jump in and have fun. Accept labels like reconstructionists without losing sleep at night like Jacob just did. And let's not accept the religious pluralism of of Canada and, and in the United States. Let us promote. Let us be influencers. Let us be prophets. Let us speak the word of God and influence our culture as best we can with the gospel and with the application of God's word to our culture. And, and Jacob, again, I said, thank you earlier on, but that's really what I'm excited about. Anybody who knows you personally knows that this is about preaching the gospel. This is about preaching the whole counsel of God. And this is about actually leading people to the life that Jesus promised when he talked about being the good shepherd who leads us to life abundant and you can see it everywhere around Trinity.
1: Well, thanks for saying that, Mike.
2: Do you have any like immediate good stories to share with us about what's going on around Trinity Bible chapel?
1: I just had a few weeks of vacation. So, (laughs) but there's, (laughs) so there's, there's been
2: like a real revival now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They had all the good preachers come in. So, um, but, Wow. There's a lot of things good that's going on here. I mean, our how many baptisms
2: is... have you guys done in the last three years?
1: Oh, I don't know. I've lost track. I, every, it seems every week sometimes. So there's so many baptisms. Oh my, yes, for sure. Oh yeah. Way beyond that. I, I think the question is whether we're over 200 and I'd have to check to see if that's the case, but, um, There's so many I can't. There's a lot of baptisms and our school is, um, you know, it's filling up and uh, there's always new people at church. So we're installing a couple new elders in a few weeks. And there's, you know, it's amazing. There's still men that want to serve in the eldership and and feel a sense of calling to be elders. Even (laughs) with all the trouble the elders have gotten themselves into over the last few years, it's the, the men still want to do that and their wives still want them to. So. Uh, that's a great thing to see and that, that that indicates that the spirit of god is working in in their lives too because they want to be part of the action i guess uh,
2: you, you, we laugh about it but how many churches can say we had i got to figure out whether it was 200 baptisms or whether it was just 150 and how many churches can say that people are clamoring to be elders and uh, clamoring might not be the word that you used but you know i can i can think of in the last 4 months just talking with different churches and advising them i and some of those just not in the liberty sense so so some churches that that would would just be your average church that that didn't take a public stand, you know eldership is always an issue they they they're not surrounded by men who want to stand up and take leadership and and uh bring glory to the lord in that it, it's a it's a battle to find members, so even when you say that. You're, uh, that's, that's, that's a real encouragement. And folks, well, our elders are, what happens. our elders
1: are quality guys. They, they're smart guys. They're, they have great families and um, hardworking guys, men of integrity and they love the Lord. And it's interesting because I think one of the government's tactics on us when we were in the heat of it was to divide our board. And that's why they sent police to the homes of every single board member. They wanted our board to split or our board to crack or, or capitulate. But uh, we haven't lost one elder. In fact, I think I, could, I can honestly say there's more love and unity on the board and respect for one another than there ever has been. And now we have more elders uh, joining the board. And so our, our board has growing since then. And uh, our board is full of love, respect and trust. And there's a great love and respect between the board and the church and the church and the board it's a it's a very healthy situation and one of the things that the people comment on when they visit the church is they just can't believe how united uh, the church is and uh, i thank god for that because that's a gift of of, from heaven that's not it's not our doing that's something that comes by the power of the holy spirit and dwelling uh, in people so that's a that's a wonderful thing to see and Um, People are repenting of sins. People are being baptized. People are being married. People are having babies. And um, people are educating their children in a Christian way. It's great.
2: Man, you, you touched on some really important subjects there. And I hope all of my listeners can hear how that all fits together. Godly eldership, being able to draw from... a a congregation where men are called to be to be righteous virtuous men followed by flourishing families and a partnership in education i'm going to tell everybody on the podcast you just got to sit back and watch watch the difference between the kids at trinity bible chapel and the rest of the waterloo region in the next 20 years and you're just going to be amazed jacob i'm not trying to butter your scones um I I think that uh I think that I really want people to hear your genuine love of the Lord here because you know if I could be frank with you I think you and I've talked about this privately you know you you come across publicly as being far more abrasive than you are uh in in real life and the point I'm trying to make is this When I look at you, I see someone who is following the Lord and following a a rich understanding of scripture. I don't see you as playing gimmicks or games. Like, so, so people will accuse Trinity of, and you of being gimmicky. Like, you know, your stance for freedom, your stance for worshiping on the Lord's day is a gimmick and it is, it's the exact opposite. And I, I just want people to understand, like, this is actually how God's works, people. Like, he does not work through gimmick. Uh, but, well, God can do whatever God wants to do, but he doesn't command us to be gimmicky. And he threatens for, you know, when our, when our, when our, when our worship and our offering uh, and our lip, when our, all of those things are near to God, but our hearts are far from him, he's displeased with that. And so a bait and switch, a gimmick... All of these things are not pleasing to the Lord. Someone like Jacob can stand before the Lord with a clear conscience. And that is actually what we're going to see happen is, is growth and maturity and 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 Christian flourishing in that myth. So, Jacob, I, I think I'm kind of insulting you and complimenting you at the same time if you know what I mean. Well.
1: I don't, I just, the whole gimmicky comment's interesting because I just don't know how you could ever accuse us of being gimmicky at this church. But, well, I mean, I I,
2: know, but that's that I wouldn't, but the outside world does. And that's the irony. They just don't see you. How is
1: it gimmicky to uphold the fourth commandment? I mean, (laughs) what on earth? But I guess it's gimmicky. So, but I, but all is, we're, you're right. We're just simply, we, I preach the Bible, we pray you know, we try to raise up men and we teach people how to have healthy families and um, to honor Christ. And, you know, God's just doing the work. It's amazing how he, it's, he uses the simple things of the world to shame the wise. So, and I guess that's what's happening, but it's, you know, we were given, this is 2023 and we were given this building in um, 2019. We moved in, in 2020, we didn't have building before. And, and, and we—I remember thinking, how are we going to ever fill this building? But like we've actually here. It is 2023. We there's there's no room left. Like we don't have any room in this church for for anything for offices. I mean, we're trying to we're, we're trying to make use of every little square inch in the church facility right now. And so and but that's not from gimmicks. That's just by the power of God, decide, you know God Himself deciding to visit us in a really special special way. And so. May he get all the honor. And all as we tried to do in the lockdowns is uphold the fourth commandment.
2: That's right. Well, look at if you're listening today and you're an associate pastor or a youth pastor at a church where the senior pastor has uh just uh caved on all these matters and uh and I say this, Jacob, because we're literally working with some some churches on some stuff, and they're not typical churches that would work with us and and um We've had the senior pastors just kind of come in and, and hear, hear, get wind of what we're doing and, and, and working on and just absolutely squash uh, that situation. I, I Jacob tells that story of his church bursting at the seams. If you're a young guy looking to be trained up and uh, looking to stand with more conviction, I know that Trinity and other churches are looking for church planters to, to come hey, in and I'll, train. Can I
1: share something? Yeah, Uh, this is, this has been my reading week. Okay. So I have, I have two weeks of study and see this right here. This has been my work. Yeah. Yeah. This has been my work the last two days. And what I've done is I've designed a three year pastoral training program for church planters. And so the goal is, is to, is to train them, uh, how to think, train them, how to preach, train them, how to lead, pray, train them, how to shepherd people within our church. Um, and, uh, so, hey, I'm glad you brought that up. wasn't thinking we would bring that up, but I'm glad you did because we wanna train church planters and we would love to hear from anyone who wants to, to plant churches. We have a church that's busting at the seams and we live in Waterloo region, which has about 600,000 people. And the people in the, a lot of the people in the region are migrating north. So they're going up towards King Carden, they're going up towards Hanover, they're going up towards Owen Sound. And, and so they're moving in that direction. And so our, our, one of our visions for a long time has been to plant churches in those smaller communities all the way up, I guess you could say Highway 6, and evangelize, re-evangelize that Highway 6 uh, corridor all the way up to the Bruce Peninsula. So if you're a young man and you want to be trained and you want to work hard, and I think one of the things that I actually want to put in the, the training program is there has to be at least a year of manual labor, full-time manual labor, so the guy knows how to work like a man. And um, so we're not looking for guys who want to who want an easy job in an air conditioned office where there's no heavy lifting, but we're looking for guys who want to give um, blood, sweat, and tears uh, to the ministry of Jesus Christ and uh, lay their lives down on the line. And if uh, if you are that man, I would love to hear from you.
2: That that is awesome. I, I only laugh because of the beauty of your office and the fan right over your uh, right over your head. But I, I think you're – I think that I've whole hated, idea just, –
1: Just so you know, I've worked in a slaughterhouse. I've worked on a construction site. I've worked in a – I've done all – I've worked on an assembly line. I've done all these things. But it is a nice office. I got it with
2: Yeah. Me. No, no, it's good. And <laughs> That's the point I was going to make. The point I was going to make was I think that's really important is the manual labor or, the, or at least some type of professional work where I think so many pastors – I was talking to a guy the other day and I said, you know, pastors have a blind spot, right? Like they you know the. You, you go to a Christian camp, you learn how to play guitar, you meet a girl that thinks you're cute and that you can play the guitar and you love Jesus. So you go to Bible college and then you get married and then you go to, you go to seminary and, and you know, a lot of pastors can live a very long time without being in the real world and having to confront uh, and live like a man who is uh, getting up in the morning, working a physical job And then coming back, and 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 so often our pastoral expectations and our pastoral training uh, really does not match uh, or share the experience of 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 a of a a mature man. And so Jacob, I love that. You know, you know that that's a part of my heart in the sense of you know I was coaching church planters uh, before uh, COVID, and it was me coaching them to stay open that. Uh, brought me to the end of my relationship with the fellowship of evangelical Baptist churches. And so uh, ironically here, you and I are out preaching publicly saying uh, if you're going to die of COVID, you should come and hear about the resurrection of the dead and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not going to die from COVID, then you should stop fearing the government and, and uh, believe in Christ and defend your fundamental freedoms and reestablish uh, Christian thought and ethic uh, in society, and it was that well, you, that we saw uh, the the church planting networks utterly cave and, and, well, if and walk you had away. A,
1: if you had a gone, if you had a gone to a gay wedding, you might have still had your job. But your problem is you wanted to open churches,
2: and and that is literally what we are seeing. Um, you know, over the summertime in a prominent Christian camp, I continue to hear reports of. Of guys who are tipping their hat to that entire like, well, now it's just an agreed to disagree upon situation about going to gay weddings. And, and you're, so you're right. It, it, there's these major biblical flaws, these major areas, these things that, that are unpleasing to the Lord that the, the church planting networks and, and, the, and some of the historical Canadian denominations are not standing up and correcting. And they just won't stand, So look, folks, if if you're a young guy and you're kind of tired of that, that's what I had to step out from under. I had real aspirations to lead a denomination towards following the Lord passionately and with the authority of scripture. And many of these institutions are just caving and saying, we're not that interested in, 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 you know, as the CBC has, uh, have, has, has quoted, not that interested in pushing biblical values in every corner of society. And so if you're one, if you're frustrated and you know what, or if you know someone, if, if you're a listener and you love Pastor Jacob, uh, you moderately um, put up with uh, Michael Tyson on this show and you're like, I know a young man who's been telling me for years that he's frustrated. Okay. That's the type of guy you should tend to Jacob only if they can handle being called to be a man and also handle getting a whole lot of support and love because you know, Jacob, you guys set the bar high, but I know that it's a good, healthy, loving community that you've got there to train these pastors. So share this out with somebody.
1: It is. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate uh, the shout out and I appreciate you for all that you stand for and all that you do.
2: All right. Well, look, everybody, I'm not going to keep pastor Jacob for too much longer. Uh, as we've said we've kind of covered this big news story please share this video because of that news story and hear what's going on we broke two stories here first about trinity but then about the the uh the british columbia churches as well and then we've got this whole what is a healthy church and what is a healthy church planting program look like Uh, We need your help to recruit a next generation of shepherds who will not run when the wolves come. So thank you for listening and Godspeed.